0: Hello, everyone. I'm Dennis Anderson, the executive editor of the Journal-Star. Welcome to part two of our discussion on sexual harassment. This discussion is the result of the Journal-Star's monthly community meetings with readers. At our October meeting, community coordinator Sherry Cannon asked us what the Journal-Star has been reporting on the social media Me Too movement, bringing attention to the prevalence of sexual harassment and assault. Well, we hadn't reported much on the issue locally, so the group talked about doing podcasts on the issue. Last week, a group of Peoria women, including Sherry Cannon, who came up with the idea, led by, uh, P- by Bradley Professor Portia Adams, talked frank and disturbingly int- about their experiences as s- victims of sexual harassment. Today, we have a panel of men talking about the issue. Let me introduce the panel. We have Jesse McGowan, who's retired. Mo Washburn, who's a student, Daniel Mariscal, who is Peoria Heights Village board member, and Eric Christian, who is a human resources consultant. A male therapist uh, writing for Psychology Today wrote recently that Me Too isn't just a case of powerful men such as Harvey Weinstein uh, Weinstein or Bill O'Reilly being accused of abusing women but that almost every man is guilty of some at some point in their life of catcalling, inappropriate flirting, verbal objectification, pushing for sex despite resistance, or some other mis- misogynistic behavior. Jesse, thank you for putting together this panel. I appreciate that. Do you think the what the therapist wrote is true?
1: Yes, as far as uh, harassment is concerned, definitely. Now, the what the women were describing is uh, abuse. That's sexual abuse. That's sexual assault. That to me is in, is unexcus- uh, unexcusable. But sexual harassment—that's a thin line. I've I've been guilty of that because persistent asking a woman for a date—that would could be considered sexual harassment. I didn't even know that because back in my day, you know, I've been on a dating scene over fifty years. You, a woman would make you pursue it. if you didn't pursue it because a good girl didn't say yes the first time. So you had to pursue them. So, yes, for, to an extent, as far as sexual harassment is concerned, I would say all men are being guilty of that.
0: Anybody else want to jump in on that question?
2: Mo? Yes. Um, unequivocally, I believe it's every man is uh, has crossed that line before. Uh, and so if I think about... Just even my, I guess, short life is most considered. I'm 22 years old. As my short time here and all my short experiences, I could even think of my own grievances. For example, all through, I remember all through middle school. Actually, it was a thing amongst our grade and our guys, the group of guys in our grade. To uh, it was a fun thing. And obviously, we were kids and we were idiots, but it was a thing for us to run around, especially in the playground, and just see if we could slap girls' butts. You know, it was, it was the funniest thing in the mm. world. It was the most entertaining thing. But now that I've grown. And I've gained more understanding and wisdom as a young adult. Um, it's 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 absolutely appalling mm-hmm. I, I, and absolutely inexcusable. And I wish someone could have, uh, in in some terms or in some way, just gave me a good old uh, dose of act right and told me that is. Unequivocally wrong, and it's it's that's that's just a symptom um, uh, of what could be uh, what could grow into a, a much larger problem, and how we value other people, and how we see other people, and, and, and how we interact with them, especially across well, genders. I, I
0: like to jump off that, and it's, this is a question for
2: everybody. Uh, how did your uh,
0: what did you learn from your father, your fathers, in terms of um, interacting with women, or how did how did your, your father's generation regard regard women?
3: Well, I'll, I'll come. I'll come. Uh, come to it with a kind of unique ex, uh, perspective. Um, I myself uh, am, in part, uh, Mexican American. So I was reared kind of in that Hispanic uh, tradition and value, um, where everything is very formalized. Um, you are expected to, you know, conform to a certain pattern or, or code or of conduct and behavior, um, and and part of that is treating uh, women with the utmost. Uh, Utmost respect. Um, but that said, I mean, I, I can't sit here and say that I'm the exception of the group either. Um, you know, and, and, you know, just full disclosure, I, th- I think uh, for the most part, it doesn't come from a, a place of malice um, in, in a lot of regards. I mean, I, I think it happens inadvertently, um, you know, when it is that we're trying to, you know, establish a relationship with another. But uh, yeah. Many times it crosses the line. There's no doubt about it. So,
4: Eric. Well, I guess to your question, Dennis, about what I learned from my father is I, uh, I, I think it was a good example for me later on in, in life, realizing that um, you, you know what expectations we set and we hold is is what we get, and uh, you know what I mean by that is I didn't really know that you know there was this notion of women being uh, inferior. Until I got older and heard it someplace else, because that's not what I saw. In, in my household, there were traditional roles, but I think that's because that's what worked for my folks. My mom wanted to stay home; she stayed home with the kids, and, and Dad worked as a teacher. Um, and then it, it makes me think of some of the things that I see now as an adult, doing the things I do in, in the workplace and in, in my work. And and it's uh, it's like anywhere else, you know, that whether it's home or our personal relationships um, or the workplace, you know, what expectations we set and what we condone is what we're going to get. So if someone's, someone's acting inappropriately um, either, whether it be egregious or just not treating someone else with, with respect, if someone who is in a position to correct that does not, the message that's been sent is that that's okay. And then, and that's what we end up with. And I think what we're seeing now is there's a certain reckoning going on in our, in our culture. That's correcting that, and people are saying this. I'm not going to
1: have this anymore.
0: Yeah, in terms of generations, uh, Jesse, Mo.
1: Oh, go ahead, yeah, Jesse. Well, I didn't learn anything from my father; he wasn't there. <laughs> so, I mean, what I learned basically, an older brother from the streets, mm-hmm. and uh, well, from from while you know, when you grew up in school, basically, as as uh, Mo was saying, you know, objectifying women—that was the norm. And, and, and girls, when we was in school, but even as a even as a man, you know, whistling at a woman said, "Baby, you got a nice rear end." We did not use hope, that, that word, but the, that was the norm. But the problem was, some women appreciated that; some got offended by it, you know. With, where, that, that, the lines I've always had a problem with. Where does sexual? Where is that thin line between sexual harassment and not sexual harassment? I mean, sexual assault—that's out of the question. That 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 should be prosecuted. You should never have to put your hands on a woman, or you should never to, uh, expose yourself to a woman. And yeah, that—that that should be prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law. But as you said, homeless. What you thought was homeless. You know, whistling at a woman, that was a norm back in my back in the 50s and 60s, a woman looking nice, walking across the floor, you whistle, And sometimes she'd appreciate it, sometimes she wouldn't. So by today's standards, that's sexual harassment. Back in my day, that wasn't sexual harassment. So that's, that's the thing I'm still, I'm still perplexed about, where it does a line start?
0: Well, You're in the dating scene. Yeah so how, how has that changed um, t- today
1: It is it's extremely difficult now I mean you I see a nice looking lady in Krogers. can I holler at her you know <laughs> I mean, you know that, that's just the thing you know I, if I see a nice woman walk across the floor looking with with you know looking nice should I stare or should I kind of look away out of the corner of my eyes I mean it's it's extremely difficult now for for a man especially when I've never been married you know I've been like I've been on the dating scene for over 50 years so and I don't know what to do now. I really, truly, I don't. So I'm not, now I have to come up and ask a woman, hey, is it okay if I talk to you? I mean, it's basically because you, you don't want to get into that thing, especially now, you know, I work with a lot of kids. The one thing I don't want is a sexual harassment charge because then all of my kids, I, look, I, work, I do a lot of work with District 150. Mm-hmm. And I definitely want the kids to think I'm a sexual harasser. So I guess to speak to that,
2: um, as you mentioned, the, the the generational divide that always exists, uh, speak very quickly to Jesse uh, being uh, single and or dating. Um, so from my perspective, from my generation being 22 years old, um, what I've learned and I haven't learned a whole lot about women, I ain't got no game. I've never tried to have game. But one thing my mother taught me just about dating and, and about relationships and girlfriends is that the best boyfriend a girl could ever have is her best friend. And so that kind of shaped that that has shaped uh, how I how I approach dating and courtship. And I also, uh, I think it's important to note that between generations, there can be different definitions of dating. Because I, I believe that to my past generation, the generation before me, uh, dating was more courtship. Uh, it takes on more of that connotation to where you are, um, uh, you make a commitment to spend time with somebody, to, see, uh, uh, t- to spend committed and reserve time with somebody to see if you like them. And then you go through those steps and those processes. But to my generation now, dating is what they call talking. And talking is very uh, non committal. You could talk to this person and that person and that person and that person and it's just whatever, you know, and and feelings are so ambiguous and, and so uh, miscellaneous and communication is at an all time low and no one knows how to communicate their feelings adequately or respectfully. I guess on the topic of sexual harassment, respectfully. Uh, and so we're, we're just at such confusion in this generation because we are being taught how to do these things from so many different perspectives. I, uh, unfortunately, to per- perpetuate the stereotype on this panel, I also I have no clue who my father is, none, none whatsoever, nor does my mother. Um, so my mother was forced to be both a uh, mother and father mm-hmm. growing up, and I'm the youngest of three boys and so where I learned to 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 holler at women where I learned to what what game I learned I learned from uh so many different sources like I literally took notes because you're too young boy it's a big deal just to, to prove yourself going through school to be able to have a girlfriend to be able to get the girl to have game that's a big deal to my generation you know especially there's a whole lot of social pressure there so I would learn from music videos rap videos I would learn from tv shows you know I would like Truly, it, 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 was a, it was I would purpose myself to watch these things and study them because, I mean, just me personally, I'm a hopeless romantic. i got a huge heart. I got a whole lot of love to give and I've always wanted to give it respectfully, obviously. Um, so I, in order to get there, I had to figure out how to get there. And so uh, I would learn from all these other sources that honestly are some of the worst places to learn from. You and, and all all of my well, excuse me, not all. Oh, that's that's fallacious. Most of my generation, I'd say, falls under that category of learning to holler at women or to get their game from what's most popular and pop culture is hip hop. Pop pop culture is is urban in a way, um, and whatever falls under that big umbrella. So, and unfortunately, rap videos are the last thing you should ever learn how to interact with women from. Uh, that, that's that's a lot of my foundation, and I thank I thank God I thank God I grew out of that, and I had other people come and change that uh, that pattern and that way of thinking throughout my life. I thank God that I've been re-impressed and remolded, but uh, I was not set up for success in that regard.
0: Anything else, so if, gentlemen? No, Eric, you're in the human resources business, and I would imagine this you, you and your colleagues have been talking a lot about what's happening lately. What? Uh, what what kind of conversations are you having what, what are people talking about
4: uh, it has been busy in the HR world for, for sexual harassment in the last couple of, of months for sure um, what's I'm hearing it kind of from all the way around and, and from employees uh, managers you know supervisors and business owners and um, the conversations usually stem from depending upon who the audience is, um, you know, being concerned if they're a supervisor or a business owner, you know, how do I protect my company and myself and my employees from this kind of behavior, from, from this going on? You know, I maybe I'm a smaller business owner and I've been so focused on staying alive that I haven't really thought about this, but I'm thinking about it now. So how, what do I need to do preemptively? Um, and then from the other end, I know I and, and um, my colleagues are fi- facing some of the same things. There's a much more of an awareness now. And so some people who are thinking, uh, you know, maybe that was sexual harassment. Maybe that comment that we had, that that joke that we had, um, that email that went around, maybe that that is sexual harassment. Um, In the best instances, that's an awareness and somebody saying, oh, I need to stop doing that. You know, I need to knock this off. Um, In worst cases, people are saying, yeah, there was that email and then there was this joke and then there was this other thing that somebody else said. And, um, you know, I, I need to file a claim on this. And then it goes down that road of, of having to have an investigation and, and, uh, and all the things that go along with that. So um, I, I don't think that those are necessarily um, bad things taken on the whole because that means that, again, that awareness is there and, and um, there's going to be a correction. At the time, it's, it doesn't feel very good for the employer I right know, and it certainly doesn't feel good for the employee who's been – um, either subjected to harassment or the person who's been accused of harassment because we also got to keep in mind that hey, whenever somebody's made an accusation that that's what it is on its face initially is an accusation and so there has to be a process to go through that and that part gets tricky you know how, how do you make sure that someone who's been accused of something is uh treated fairly and and impartially so um there's a lot more that i could say and and dive deep down that whole rabbit hole what what do you recommend to to a man in
0: the workplace who hears something or witnesses something that would be considered sexual harassment what do you what do you tell them to do
4: if i would tell that man that he's in a particularly great situation to address that and and to try to put a stop to it um, I would say if it's a colleague of yours, if it's your fr- a friend, someone like that, um, I'd talk to them. Maybe first you talk to them off to the side. If it's, you know, if it's the offhanded comment that you could tell made the woman uncomfortable, um, because sometimes people, if you address, you know, you call them out in front of everybody, you're going to get um, a bad reaction. They're going to get defensive. It might make things worse. I pull them off to the side and say, <laughs> I'd come at it two ways. You know, number one that's not that's not cool, you know, the, this person, this woman who's in our workplace. It, you, you can't do that to her. You can't put her down like that. You made her feel inferior in front everybody else. Um, and then I'd also say, and keep in mind, you can get in really, really, really hot water for this kind of stuff, you know, and maybe you use even stronger, more informal language. But I, mm. that's how I'd come at it and tell them this is not the right way to do it, number one. Number two, if for no other reason, you know, you're going to be in a world of hurt if you keep this stuff up. So i would not going to...
0: Uh, Daniel, in recent weeks, what kind of conversations have you had with women about this issue?
4: Well, I can
3: tell you I've had this uh, very conversation with uh, both my mother um, and my longtime girlfriend of nine years. Um, and, and we've also had discussions, I, I can say personally, at The Village with um, our female employees as well. Um, we want to make sure uh, you know, that it is made adequately and abundantly clear that should they have an issue, that they come and address uh you know, they, they come and address it to us and they let us know we cannot rectify the situation unless unless we're made aware of it. Uh, now, that said, I'll just as an aside here, I, I don't necessarily think that this is a recent phenomena. I think that it's systemic. And I think for whatever reason now, there was we've had that kind of catalytic event that has occurred that has brought this all to the forefront. Um, to say that that this is a recent phenomena, I, I would say, is probably a mischaracterization of that. Um, and it, it's something that, uh, like I said, it, it needs to be addressed. It, it's, it takes place and occurs in the public sector and the private sector um, and all places in between.
2: So I'd like to add that. Um, when you mention the word systemic, I think uh, people might automatically think of uh, the, word syst- the, the phrase systemic racism or oppression and think that the, by the word systemic, you, you're only referring to the systems of government or governing bodies. But I think uh, many different systems perpetuate this culture and, and this, uh, this way of behavior. And that system is uh, – some of the systems could be patriarchal, uh, a, a, a system of communication, our, our value system as a society. What do we value most? Um for for example, uh in in Throughout our uh, past, our most recent, recent presidential election campaign race, uh, I often asked people cause I, about halfway through, about halfway through, this question dawned on me um, with, with all the events and all the information about Donald Trump, our current president, coming to light. I asked them, so you're aware of these allegations, some proven, some not. And and, and they would have, in so many words, they say yes. And so I say, um, if, if you're voting for him, is it worth Uh, whatever he offers, whatever he brings to the table, is that worth overlooking all that he's done? The harassment, the abuse, whatever, whatever, whatever he's done. I'm not accusing me. I'm not saying he's guilty of anything. I don't know. But is having a better economy worth you overlooking uh, his sexual abuse and harassment of women? Is that worth it to you? And some people said yes, frankly, truthfully said it's worth it. And maybe that's because, uh, What he's done personally and individually hasn't darkened their doorstep, or maybe it hasn't hit them and impacted their home. But 53% of white women voted for Trump. Right. And so so is, is for some people, they're willing to overlook that because of what Trump can do for them or what they think they can. So I think that system of valuing what you value, what you stand for, I think also as a society, what we stand for perpetuates. I would rather take money, a, be, a slightly better economy, if you look at the numbers, a slightly better economy, if, if that's how it pans out. I'd rather take that. I'd rather stand for that than stand for equality and, and what's right and what what how people and women particularly should be treated. Uh, so I, I think that's that was something interesting for me to experience in people that are around me and, and in my circle.
3: True crime lovers are always looking for new and engaging content. The Already Gone podcast covers stories from Michigan and the Great Lakes region. Cases you haven't heard before, like the Mayo Hunters or the murder of 16-year-old Justin Mello, plus better-known cases like the death of Jane Bashara and Illinois' own Lori Dan. Already Gone started in 2016, so there is a big back catalog for you to enjoy. Find Already Gone on Apple Podcasts, Good Pods, or your favorite podcatcher.
1: Yeah, and I, I uh, agree with what you're saying, but the one thing that what I think we, the problem is there's a difference between sexual harassment and sexual assault. I agree. And to me, I mean, like I said, I have no problem with sexual assault. I mean, that 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 to me that's that's a no no. But the problem that I have it with sexual harassment, and I don't. When you say systemic, when you're talking about harassment, I think it's more of that women now are seeing things in a different light than they did back in the old days, because what sexual harassment now. Weren't necessarily the sexual harassment back in the sixties, and I said that's where that thin line, that line is moving, and women are unwilling to accept some of the things that were whistling at them and the you know the cat calls back back and back and and But, in but I'm 60s. sure
0: the feelings they were experiencing in the sixties were yes. the same feelings same. that they're having today. They're just taught people are
1: talking. That's why I said yeah, that's my point. That's why I said their 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 acceptance of it now is, is less. But they, but even then, and, I, and to a certain extent, I disagree with that because. Back in the day, you were expected to do certain to, to act in a certain way. Like I said, you were expected to chase a woman. Now, a woman get angry if you repeatedly keep on, keep on, keep on. But back in my day, a good girl didn't say yes the first the second time. You had to chase them for two, three, four months sometimes.
0: Well, and men need to learn to. No means no. Right, that's, yeah, what,
1: right. That, and that's, that's what I said. That's what the thing is. Then they're going, they're going to tell you if you stopped the first time I said no, you didn't want me anyway. Mm-hmm. I mean, so that's why I said the sexual harassment that thin not not the, the overt the type. I'm not talking about. I'm talking about the co- covert type. Where that thin line is, that that thin line has moved in the last fifty years. That thin line has moved.
2: And so, I guess to respond to that. Um so the times have changed. I guess we, anyone here can agree. that Anyone listening to this can agree that uh, what women stand for have changed. You know, they they they, they have decided to stand. Uh, what what they've what they've let uh, go unspoken and, and unchallenged is no longer the case. So the, then that then puts the ball in our court as men. Then then puts the burden on us to adapt. Because if they are making it in, un- in no uncertain terms to say that, hey, you cat calling me, uh, uh, it, me being a complete stranger, you don't know me, that's unacceptable. It's rude. I will not stand for that. It's not okay. So I think it's the same thing as me meeting someone named Rachel. And I come up to her, I like to give people nicknames right off the bat. I come, up, I come up to her and I call her Rach. And she goes, no, my name is Rachel. I don't like being called Rach. For whatever reason. You know, She could have had an abusive mother named Rach or Rachel would be called Rach. Whatever her reasons may be. But she wants to be called Rachel out of respect for her humanity. For, who, for just for her being a human being. You should respect that and call her Rachel. So if women say, out of respect for me and to who I am and what I stand for, don't approach me this way, then, the, then the burden and, and the responsibility is on us, on the other end of the interaction to then respect that. It, 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 it should be a very a simple uh, uh, step to make, but it, it takes time because we're relearning behaviors and so, to the point where if I am young and my father or and or grandfather is raising me, you know, th- their, their experience is from a past generation from a past time. So the burden is on them to then, then to then continue to learn throughout their adulthood and adapt and, and, and accept and acquire new ideas and knowledge to adapt to the times so they can teach me current times. Because if my father is stuck in his ways from uh, way back when where you catcall and he teaches me how to catcall, like I said, that right there sets me up for failure. So the burdens on all of us as both young men, child, children to listen and adults to really just adapt to the times. I know progress can be glacial sometimes, but does it have to be? I think it's an important question. Yeah. Is
0: the Me Too movement uh, from a male's perspective about men standing up to protect women or is it about men changing their behavior?
4: I'd say it's it's more – I'm sorry, I didn't mean to step oh, up, I, For me, it seems like it's more um, about men changing their behavior. Just the sense I get from it is that uh, um, they're looking for – Equality in all those forms, and if we're equal, then the men don't necessarily need to need to be the protectors, right? I mean, there shouldn't be anything for women to to need to be protected from. And uh, I think your point about how this is is systemic and about how men can be in a kind of a a unique position to impact that is uh, spot on. You know, I I think as, as as men, we are the ones who really have. I think the most uh, ability to impact the situation, the, the most leverage. So if if we do see someone, um, you know, treating a woman with disrespect, and then we're the ones to to say something. I think the trick is, we're not always comfortable doing that, maybe outright and at the time. You know, kind of like that example I used earlier. It, I think it's hard for people to say in the moment. Hey man, knock that off in front of everybody. You know, it, uh, you can like almost hear the record, record scratch, and that's going to impact that relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's the best way, oftentimes, but that's that's hard for people to do. I just don't see them always doing that. But it, it can be much more incremental, and you can have an impact behind the scenes in the language you use, in how you talk, and then in in correcting your your peers and other men. Um, and, and giving them different words to use, different ways to look at it, kind of off to the side where they don't feel like they've been called out or, or ashamed or are less likely to be defensive.
1: And uh, I agree that men, it's, it's on men. Men have, to cha- have to ha- uh, have, men have to change. But the problem that we're having, especially we're coming from different socioeconomic backgrounds also, because, like I say, I work with a lot of kids out there in the street. I live right on the heart of the East Bluff. The, the Men, the rap, as he's talking about rap music, I mean, you hear five, six, seven, eight-year-old kids using the B word because they got it on a rap song. That's how they refer to the girls. I mean, because I sit out there all day long talking to the kids. And uh, how do you change that? Because their mamas and their dads, their dads are doing it to their mum And that's how they hear in the house. They hear the rap music with the B word, with, with the B and H, and another, even worse language. So the problem we're having is how do we change that as from, from a male's perspective when we know that it's ingrained in that particular society? And and that's that's the thing that that I be working on is is, is how do we do I how do I get those kids Hey, what do you say say to those boys? Well, I tell you you know, especially the, the younger kids, it's very easy to talk to them. They don't always listen, but it's easy to talk. But it's, it's the 8, 15, 6, 50, mid teen upper teens. Those are the ones that you. It's hard to get through because they've been doing it so long. And you tell them that you know that man. Hey, man, why you do that, man? How would you want somebody to come to call your mother, your sister? Something like, oh, I do it myself. I mean, those are the kind of responses you get mm. because that and they do. When they when they, when you have your parents, especially the mothers, allowing that music to be played in her house by her teenage kids. I mean, what are you? Think, what kind of message are sending to those kids? And and that, that's that's what that's where it is now. So how, men have a hard time, uh, especially the older men, trying to convince these young kids that's not acceptable. In my in in, in my particular area, my uh, it, it's just it's just that's that's what it is. Yeah, Mo. Well. So I,
2: I as well uh, work with kids. I am a teacher at my church. Um, um, and I teach ages 15 to 17 teenage 18, ages, excuse me, 15 to 17 year old guys for Bible study on Wednesdays, uh, actually probably in class right now while I'm here. Um, but so my approach to that, to combat all of the influence from outs, from all the outside influences, all the negative influences, uh, how I fight that fight is to try and challenge my my guys, try to challenge them to think. Because uh, a herd mentality is a very mindless thing. To, 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 to walk with the herd as a sheep is very mindless. It requires such, so little thinking because you're just doing what everyone else is around you doing. There's no, there's no independent thought. So I challenge them to think. And, and, the, and the more they exercise independent and free thought, hopefully the more that translates into other areas of their lives to where now I'm questioning, is this what I want to do or what someone else wants me to do? Or do I really stand for this? What do I actually, that's a, now that I think about it, what do I even stand for? Because if I stand for nothing, then I, as MLK says, I'll fall for anything. I'll, I'll just I'll blindly follow anything. So I challenge my guys to think and think independently. Uh, and I actually have a question. If anyone, does anyone else want to respond to that question on the table of. Uh, uh, I actually forgot the previous question we were answering. <laughs> But I do have a question I'd like to ask that, that, that um, in, the middle, in the midst of Eric's comment that uh, I think of, excuse me, um, is that since many people don't like confrontation, because you mentioned like the incident, say you're, uh, I work in a restaurant, say I'm back in the kitchen where a lot of vulgar language always happens in kitchens and restaurants, uh, and, and a guy says something very rude and inappropriate to a woman. Uh, and many people don't like confrontation. So that's not their moment. To to really, I guess, fight the good fight, or or to uh, try and to to try and stem the tide of what's happening.
0: People don't like to be men. Don't
2: like to be challenged. Exactly, And, and. especially women, i I I guess that women don't like confrontation more than men, but for anyone who doesn't like confrontation, what is their avenue? What's their advice? How do they join that fight? If that's not their moment, then where where can they come behind in the, in the, in the background or somewhere else in, in some other circumstance or, or arena in life? How can they fight the good fight to change the tide, to stem the tide? I guess for anybody to answer. But.
4: I mean, what, what I would say is with the workplace example you gave there, Somebody's somebody who's not comfortable with saying something right then, if that person who, you know, that woman would say to that man, you know, on break, after shift, maybe when it's quieter, and say, hey, don't talk to me like that. And sometimes, honestly, men are so oblivious, they don't understand that what they did was wrong. And so you can, you can lay it out there and say, I, look, I'm not going to have that. <laughs> but that's and, not an excuse today what's that? that
0: that no 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 i didn't
4: say it was yeah. the excuse for the behavior yeah. i'm no. saying that that's that is sometimes what's going on and they, they may not really understand it mm-hmm. but i think i see what you're saying that maybe they there's no way they shouldn't they should not I, know But that no. now i see that, it, no. it they should yeah. not i agree with you they should yeah. not but they do yeah. and i and i see that so that i would tell that woman to go tell him do not do this and then if she's she's not comfortable that's where she needs to take it to Another person in the organization, they should have a supervisor. You know, maybe they have a human resources department if it's a bigger re- restaurant. Something That's what those people are there for. They need to, she needs to take it up the chain and, and help Wait, them. Were you also saying just like out in public?
2: Yeah, yeah out you just, in public, yeah. Yeah. In, in,
1: anywhere yeah, in life. Yeah, I was going to give Daniel a chance to respond. I was going to respond to that after that, but I was. No, go ahead. Go no, uh, when you say there's no excuse for that, that everybody knows nowadays. No, it's not true. The younger men, like the younger men I'm talking about, they don't know they're doing anything wrong. wrong. especially when they, if Snoop Dogg says it to them, Snoop, I mean, Tupac, those people, uh, I don't know, I don't know all the rest of those rappers out there. Now, yeah. But if they say it, that's the way it is. They're not, they are not aware that it's wrong because, like I said, they're playing it at home. Mm-hmm. Their, their dads are playing it at home. Their mom mm-hmm. letting them play it at home. So no, they all of them don't know. They don't know this problem. And, we, and, and especially if you got a group of them. I mean, I can do that, but you couldn't go up to that group and say out there on the street and say, "Hey, look here, you got you shouldn't do that," because then you, you, what's going to happen to you? <laughs> I mean, but, but they, no, they don't know. That's not true. All of them don't. Some, I'm sure some of them does because, like I said, he teaches that in school and uh, in his Sunday school. But a lot of those kids, a lot of those, when I say kids, I'm talking about young men in the late, mid, late teens. They do not know that they're doing wrong.
3: Daniel, I have no comment other than. <clears throat> So I don't want to shift gears too much as far as where we're at in the conversation. But um, if we kind of look like the at the common, I guess, underlying theme or thread that kind of, in my opinion, at least sparked this Me Too uh, movement, it was abuse from individuals who were in prominent positions of power. Um, and so I guess kind of tying that into the, the former question, um I guess when you're dealing with somebody who is in, like I said, a, in a high position of authority, they don't necessarily have somebody that they're accountable to, um, no direct superior. Where then does the redress lie? And maybe somebody like Eric could could address that.
4: Uh, well, I mean, it, are you talking about kind of outside of the? Well, I mean, like government?
3: if we if we talk, for example, I mean, look at somebody like uh, these. Uh, individuals like Harvey Weinstein. We've also seen uh, recently that uh, different uh, individuals and in state uh, legislators uh, st- state legislatures across the country are now having allegations uh, come out against them as well. Um, I guess those are the type or uh, of individuals that I'm speaking about.
4: Mm-hmm. Well, to me, the, this all kind of seems like a, a broader question in terms of uh, you know where we place our values as a society and, and how we're going to try to uh, attack these these larger issues you know um, because it starts it starts to get tricky because there's kind of a certain set of, uh, of rules around if it's in the workplace there's a certain set of rules if it's not somebody that you're connected to in terms of, of the workplace and then we've got a dating relationship or not and so I guess I'm I guess I'm fudging on, on your question I don't have a real clear, clear answer for you because I think there's a, there's a lot of different things that would go into it. I guess that that's what I would say. It, it can be – it's tricky.
3: Uh,
2: so I guess to speak to that, um, I may not be answering your question. Uh, uh, could you re- reword your question for me? Could you restate it if you remember it?
3: Yeah, absolutely. So essentially what I was getting at is um, what sparked this Me Too movement, at mm-hmm. least in my understanding, was mm-hmm. that you had individuals who were in prominent, prominent positions of power whether it was business, politics, show business, what mm-hmm. have you, um that were basically abusing their power, leveraging their power over these women to basically manipulate them into doing what it is they wanted in exchange for you know some sort of okay payoff, remuneration, whatever it is that you want to call
2: it um, so, so, so go ahead uh, so I think the uh one of the uh biggest hills to overcome in, in, in that fight. Uh, Is that Someone in a position of power Especially if it's public power They've garnered so much uh, Fame that they've garnered so much uh, Fame or fandom that there's a lot of Loyalty that comes with that And uh, I guess I'm keep beating this horse whether it's dead or not is that I guess like I said it really stems down to our value system so if I as an individual who as as Mo Washburn as an individual works three jobs goes to school full time and in my everyday I guess quiet Peoria life um, when I idolize someone like a Harvey Weinstein or a Kevin Spacey, and then accusations or allegations against them are then levied. Those come forward because of my idolization of them, because I hold them to such a high esteem and such a high pedestal, I will completely ignore anything that counteracts that image that I have of this individual. So we as a society, we value our celebrities and our people of power so much without personally knowing them. We idolize them so much that I think we can ignore or choose to just flat out deny anything that comes against our image or preconceived notion of that individual. And and I, I, it's just... And, and women and and men as well that I know in my own personal life and in listening to the podcast last night from from the women from the previous podcast in this series the the, the overall and the overall and underlying theme of and threat of denial through every story is absolutely appalling that someone could put themselves and 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 their self esteem and the very fabric of their life online to come to you and and, and share a very traumatic and a very grievous uh, uh um, um, wrongdoing that's happened to them and you just accuse them of denying you deny you, you you go into a state of denial just because you have this idolization of an individual whether it be a family member whether it be a celebrity whether it be a friend of a family member for you to just completely flat out deny that it's absolutely appalling and I think like I said and I guess I'll keep saying it because it keeps popping into me is that it really comes down to our uh, value system as a society and we prop up celebrities and we prop up people of Fame so high For what reason? I mean we Should all know the last thing you ever want to do is meet your Idols. You never want to meet a celebrity because I always Disappoint you. Well there's a reason they disappoint you because They're human That has to change somehow my god I don't know how but step by step I guess you got a plant and you got a water and there's an Increase but Does that answer that does that respond To your yeah. question? I think one
1: of the things so I stand on your, on your, on your question uh, Daniel is that The appalling thing to me is that women had no recourse, especially back in the early days. And that's one of the good things about it now, like I say, even though it may be confusing me as far as harassment is concerned, but I'm glad women are having a voice now when they are forced because that was back in the day, especially, again, I'm going back into the old days back in Mississippi when, especially black women, they had absolutely no recourse. I mean, it didn't matter what they did, there was nowhere to go. I mean, and it, 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 it's gotten more sophisticated as we get older, but back then it was forceful. And that's the thing I dislike about it now. I am the last coming to forth, women had no had way to no complain, and if they did complain, nobody was going to believe them. And so that from that point on, I'm glad about me, too. I'm glad they're coming forward because, like I said, that type of blatant sexual abuse, even a blatant sexual harassment, when you forcing a woman to do something in order for her, for her to feed her kids or something like that, you know, to me— that 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 should be probably, That matter of fact, I wouldn't mind seeing them. even though when when uh, Weinstein didn't physically rape him, when he used he used their position to to get them a job, use it again, I would like to see him make criminal charges out of uh, uh, by, by, by criminal charges on something like that. Well, let,
0: let me wrap this up with one last question uh, to the group, and it's what's next. What, what us as men, what's next for in this in this movement, and um, what role do we play? Do you prefer immediately or long term? I'll say immediately.
2: Okay. What's next is you have to learn. Um, So there's a a saying that thoughts become behaviors. uh, Yeah, thoughts become behaviors and behaviors become habits, right? Uh, the Bible also says that uh, this scripture of the Bible says, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Uh, and both those things, uh, both those uh, sayings, lines or, or statements uh, say this, that change begins in the mind if, if it not ends as well. But the first step to changing anything, or at least to changing yourself, is that you have to change the way you think. So I think that's immediate. You have to continue to to learn and continue to expose yourself to to ideas and concepts that are not just your own. I think that's by 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 no by by all means the first step. Good point.
1: I can say uh, continuing the upward spiral that is taken now with me, too. That's that's one of the things going to solve it in the future. But and I, I know you're going to get some heat behind the statement fix to make now we have to be careful because we know there are some people going to make false accusations when they've got a problem with somebody. How do we discern from those? Because we know, I, and we, we, we definitely know that there's going to be some. So how, how do, as I think uh, Eric said something earlier, an alleg- it's an allegation. You know, How do you protect the women without enabling the ones that don't have the utmost uh, respect Coming in, and now a sudden, this man did something they don't like. So now I'm going to make an allegation against you. Mm-hmm. So, how, how what 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 recourse does that man have? Okay, I I
4: would say, from my perspective, I think we're probably going to see um, what we've seen largely in the past is is that there's a, a big event, there's a big impulse that brings us forward and makes a lot of progress and then we drift back a little bit and then there's another one i mean you can think back to the 80s with you know anita hill and Clarence thomas and that was a huge awareness and then you know a lot of stuff came up in the 90s around bill clinton and there's these other things and each time there it's it's kind of like the tide coming in you know it it washes in and then it recedes and then it washes in a little further and a little further i mean my fervent hope is that this is this is really a A turning point and this kind of stuff doesn't really happen and that enough of of, uh, uh, changes in minds and generations have have changed um, that this wouldn't be such a big deal but my guess is we'll probably see more of that pattern of this will be really really in the public's eye for a while it will recede but there'll have been some progress made hopefully
3: I think uh, personally I think the uh, onus falls on us individually um, to continue to carry this movement forward um, and I also believe that we have to constantly be developing ourselves and, and creating internal checking mechanisms to make sure that our thoughts and our behaviors are falling in line with what it is that uh, that we know. Um, and, and, and as we continue to learn and as we continue to go down this uh, this pathway and this journey, um, uh, a lot of things are, are going to change would be my anticipation so. Well, I appreciate it, uh, everybody coming out here. I want to
0: thank Jesse McGowan, Mo Washburn, Daniel Mar- Daniel Mariscal, and Eric Christian. Christian. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank
4: you. Thank you.
2: Thanks. Thank you.
1: Just going to
0: run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left.
1: Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan.